Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we go any further, I want to make sure that you are aware that this is actually part two of a two-part series on A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. If you haven't done so already, I would go back and listen to part one, unless you're into that kind of thing, which is not understanding the context of the podcast you're listening to. Either way, enjoy. Can we get back to the book? Yeah, of course. Of course we can. So you at the top of the hour mentioned Portia. (laughs) Yeah. The friend. And you began to say this really great thing about how Alyssa Cole and maybe romance in general, but particularly this book, depicts female friendships as something that needs maintenance? All friendships. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. I mean, all friendships are relationships. The same way your relationship with your mom is a relationship, the same way your relationship with your significant other is a relationship. It takes work. It takes compromise. It takes consideration. And I think Alyssa Cole is like super wise to that. Like Portia. People never talk about it in books. I agree. Friendships are depicted like as problematic as romantic relationships are depicted in Mm -hmm. novels. Like friendships Friendships are fucking impossible. They're just like, you just happen to like each other enough that it's effortless, right? Right. Your friend is just always there. There's always like the hero or the heroine and then everybody else, including their friends, air quotes. Right. And like their quote unquote best friend who has like this other kind of recognition about them that is like really big in romance where it's like you have the hero and the heroine like recognize like some essential quality about that individual. And it's like, oh, you see me. Nobody else sees me except for maybe my best friend, but they don't see me in like a sexual intimate way. Yeah, and I think that's a really, I think in general, fiction and probably people in real life undersell their friendships as relationships. For sure. A thousand and ten percent. And like one of the things that is really important and really beautiful about this book is that Portia and Letty are friends. They're both broken in very different and particular ways. But like full disclosure I didn't love that Portia was an alcoholic and like I felt like that was an easy thing for her to be wrong with you know yeah and I also feel like the book talks about alcoholism alcoholism has many forms yes I feel like there wasn't enough of I don't know it kind of made Letty come across as a goody two shoes a goody two shoes Mm -hmm. because the instances where we see Portia drunk Mm -hmm. are like weekends Mm -hmm. and honestly Portia isn't being super self-destructive because she's choosing to go to her friend's house instead of home with a stranger. Right. And like so there's this scene where Portia is slamming on Letty's door. Let me in, let me in, let me in. I haven't seen you in weeks. I'm worried about you because you haven't been coming out with me to like the clubs. And like all of that is necessarily true. We already know from Letty's perspective that that shit is true. But she's mad because it feels like Portia's taking advantage of her because she shows up at her door on a Thursday night knowing that that Letty has work in the morning. So like, that's not great. But there's this moment of intimacy where they're like the futons flat and the two women, like after Portia throws up in her bathroom, lie together. And like Letty has this moment where she takes this like deep sigh and she's like, I haven't like had human interaction like this, like comfortable platonic human touch in a long time. And like, I'm glad that Portia drunkenly stumbled over here to check on me because that means her love is real. Yeah, it's true. And like, I really appreciate Alyssa Cole's 
She takes this friendship seriously as yes. a relationship and something that requires compromise and effort and yeah. a bit of sadness. For sure. I like the idea that like perhaps you outgrow it, but you never like truly out like outlive the feeling. Like you can mm. outgrow a friend, but you don't outlive the love that is in it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really beautiful because later when we're in the solo in Africa, we meet the queen, Thabizo's mother, who hates Letty, not just for Letty's sake, but also because Letty looks exactly like her mother who was the queen's best friend. Yes, that's another way in which she talks about female friendship. For sure. And like how essential it is. And Letty has this beautiful line about like, you know, we talk about grief in terms of significant others and we talk about it in terms of parents, but we don't talk about it in terms of friends. Mm -hmm. And when you lose a best friend, it is a significant death. And it's not like they're a dime a dozen. And that, that line in particular just like struck me in my core because it's like your best friends save your life. And like all of the little important ways that they do in the ways of shoring you up Morgan you should go do improv but also like (laughs) in the ways that like friendships stabilize you where it's like you could really go off the rails and then your friends are like hey hey hey, I know you in this way. Yeah. I know this thing about you and I know where you've been and I know where you want to go. Let me help remind you. Mm -hmm. And Alyssa Cole handles that with real depth in in a very seemingly simple book. And I think maybe that's like how she's most successful. Of the books we've read, I have not read anything in the romance genre that really gives a realistic portrait of female friendship and uh, I think yeah. in fact that's some of the way in which our heroines have been particularly broken they don't have female friends yeah and I do think there's a romanticization of women in general who don't get along with other women which is always very uh, I only get along with guys I only get along with guys girls are always girls into are drama so as we be really catty about <laughs> but it's something that we've heard right where it's like oh and I don't really get along with women I only really get along with guys because guys are so like drama free and they're not catty and they don't like overthink things like first of all that is 100% not true otherwise friend zone wouldn't be a thing yeah and secondly like fuck you I don't know that I trust women who don't have other women in their lives I certainly do not. I do not. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to isolate have healthy relationships with women. I don't want to isolate anyone. But if you are the type of person who have found yourself saying like, "I don't really get along with other women," interrogate that. Why? Yeah, I think that's right. And how are you really getting along with men? Right. And if yes, that's the key component of that. Like, how is the patriarchy informing this conversation? Exactly. Right. Because women shouldn't be your competition. Yeah, you shouldn't be like I. <laughs> there is a sense of like transcendence whenever they talk about the fact that they aren't friends with other women right I have surpassed them I've like figured something out and I'm like no you figured the wrong thing out I'm like too zen to be with and like I can have the perfect romantic partner because like I'm above whatever drama cattiness or bitchiness that like is part and parcel to being a woman and I do find that women who say that don't actually have platonic friendships with With men men. yeah Yeah. by and large I've, I've found that to be true as well and I think that's really interesting about the romance genre and I think it's really important that you bring that out like most of our heroines haven't had like significant friendships or even sisterhoods or the friendships 
haven't been significant in the story. Right. And I think what's also interesting about that in terms of like the structure of the genre is that like oftentimes sisters or friends will set up the next novel, as is the case in A Princess in Theory. Like the next, Mm. the Duke by default is Portia's story. And like part of it. But Portia feels like a whole person heading into this new novel, which is not something that's been true for other. Right. She's not a role. Yeah. Or oh, let's talk about Tessa Dare. Let's talk about the first book we read. A Week to Be Wicked. A Week to Be Wicked. Her sisters in A Week to Be Wicked are pretty simplistic. Yes. And of course they become whole interesting cool people in their own novels. Yes. Whereas I feel like Portia is a whole interesting yes. person complicated in this book. Yeah, the way Portia treats her sister. Uh-huh. Very complicated. And we don't even hear anything from her perspective Regina or Portia that's right yeah we don't I think that's really interesting I think I want to come back to Tessa Dare because I think she does women friendships in different ways in other novels but I think it's right to point out that Minerva doesn't have female friends and I think it's right to point out that Minerva's particularly isolated but like her younger sister has a really close female friend but even that character is pretty undeveloped Right, but outside of their plans to be friends who go on a tour of Europe together that get dismantled. Right. And her older sister has female friends and her mother, who is problematic in her own right, also has female friends. And I think the way in which female friendship is like interwoven in that book is really problematic. Less so in Tessa Dare's other novels, but like in that one in particular, Minerva's isolation is unique. I want to talk about the weirdest part of this book for me. Okay, let's talk about the weirdest part in Princess in Theory. Alyssa Cole. Alyssa Cole. What was your fanfiction.net username? What was your, an archive of our own? What was your Wattpad author name? Because you have clearly come up through the fan Girl, fiction tradition. We've seen you. In a lot of good ways. In a lot of good ways. Listeners, to give you a little backup, uh, Alyssa Cole has only been writing for The Big Houses for just a few novels. She came through fan fiction and self-publishing. She's been a writer in a lot of different ways. You've like confirmed her to be fan fiction? I haven't confirmed her to be fan fiction, but I have based on her biography and what I have gleaned from her Twitter that she was writing. She's certainly self-published. Alyssa Cole, I'm sure you wrote really great fan fiction. Gorgeous fan fiction. Fan fiction is a great way to learn how to write. I wrote a massive thesis on fan fiction Morgan I think she might be writing fan fiction right now about Wakanda (laughs) here's the thing there is a habit in fan fiction of using descriptive detail that is pointless you think that you're adding a level of character but you're not for example our main character she is a scientist And so she has an amoeba-shaped handbag and is constantly wearing t-shirts featuring science-y stuff. These are Nancy Drew details that have no value in the larger text. But this is something fan fiction does because when you write fan fiction, you're partially writing for yourself. I mean, that's a a stereotype that I don't want to like perpetuate. But certainly when you're a young writer, when you're a new writer, you can mistake depth for these kind of silly details. For example, if you read Anna Karenina, the only thing that's thoroughly described about Anna are her hands. And yet everyone who like would ever describe Anna Karenina would do like some version of Keira Knightley who was cast as her. I would refer to this as like a particular like kind of like 1980s, but also like severely fan fiction. It's a Nancy Drew detail. Nancy Drew books were obsessed Don DeLillo does this too. Don DeLillo of White Noise and like the 1980s Bright Lights Big City. Like this 
was a thing that happened in a particular literary moment where it's like, I'm going to give myself grounding in Pepsi Cola and Toyota Priuses. But these are completely made up things. I think Pepsi Cola and Toyota Prius have connotations. They come loaded with, with a baggage of meaning. Yes. That will lend a certain amount of depth to the character who you who drinks Pepsi Cola or who drives a Toyota Prius. Potentially. But we cannot simply say this adult woman who is into science has a purse shaped like an amoeba that she carries with her. We cannot say this adult woman. She just has a sweatshirt with a sciencey thing on it. Exactly. She has a sweatshirt. She's very t-shirts with sciencey things in it. It's like we get it. She's into science. We don't need her wardrobe to say so. Why include it? There's fluff in here. The only reason I notice it is because the it's rest noticeable. of the text is so tight. I agree. You know, say she had a lavender handbag. Boom. Done. Good enough. Morgan. We understand the color choice. Morgan, you know why Alyssa Cole chose to do this? She's setting up her third novel in the Reluctant Royal series, wherein Portia's sister, who runs the website that fucking Letty bought her amoeba handbag and weirdo sweatshirt on, is the heroine of. This is her seeding the ground of her third book. I think there are more elegant ways to do something like that. I don't I don't disagree. I think those were moments that really took me out you of the novel, too. You honestly could cut out the t-shirt and the yeah. handbag you would be setting up for the third novel just as regardless clearly. because she's like commenting on this website yeah. I agree I think that's a really cogent critique. we do I think that's a really cogent critique of how that's happening but I think yeah Alyssa Cole came up through the ranks of self-publishing she came up through the ranks of other kinds of writing and like the thing that she does really I want to well, point out we as her reading audience 20 somethings barely 20 to 30 something fuck you <laughs> We came up in the tradition, like our first exposure to something resembling romance was likely a fan fiction. Readers, listeners, as you know. Mine were Harry Potter and they were on the IMDb message board. That's incredible that you were reading this shit on IMDb message boards. Okay, that's really different from how I encountered fan fiction romance. So listeners, you know that I encountered this in Maria's shrine to romance. But the thing about fan fiction and that I remember very distinctly about being like 13 and 14 on fanfiction.net was clicking M because if you're just like if you're looking through (laughs) Harry Potter it's like G to T T being teen but you have to specifically click for M for M to show up and M (laughs) is like boy oh boy it is like whoa whoa and I remember at 14 like making the conscious decision to be like I'm bigger than T readers I wasn't (laughs) listeners I did not have I mean I don't even know why I think I was on the IMDB message boards for Harry Potter because I had a question about the production I wanted to see someone else because that's really what the IMDB message boards are for nerd I know nerd but then I discovered Draco and Harry making out ugh I in the same love. unfinished basement I read Murderpedia. <laughs> I love Harry and Draco making out. I love Draco and Hermione making out. I love Draco making out with anyone who isn't fucking Patsy. Pansy. Thank you. Nerd. <laughs> You were baiting me. That's what you friends are for. You know that you were baiting me. That's what friends are for. So 
Morgan, we've yep. talked about friendship. We've talked about yes. the Bezo. Yes. We briefly talked about the fact that only a third of this novel takes place in the actual African nation versus NYC. Yep. Womance or nomance? Womance. Why? I'm going to tell you structurally, this is your classic romance novel, but it's a lot more inclusive than anything Kathleen Woody Weiss wrote. It's a lot more conscientious than your grandmother's romance. It is a uh, really beautiful romance for our generation. I think even for the reasons that I was like, this is weird, it still speaks to our current moment in a really clear way. While I agree with you in part, I will offer a half-hearted romance without its exclamation point. For this reason. Lakatsi. Well, period, Mance. Exactly. Lakatsi. We haven't spoken of Lakatsi. Lakotsi. Lakotsi. Lakatsi. Here's why this gets a non-exclamation point romance from Isabeau. Lakatsi feels like a ham-fisted attempt to involve a queer narrative uh. inside of a romance novel that is really speaking to our moment, right? We have an allusion mm. to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. We have an allusion mm. to how America's government has changed because it's cutting off science funding. We have an allusion to how Thesolo might be a country that didn't involve colonists. We haven't even talked about Omega Corp and how it's trying to take advantage of the cobalt inside of Thesolo. But here's the thing about Lakotsi, Lakotsi, who is the Bezos extremely punctilious and exacting personal assistant. Yes, she her outfits sound incredible. Razor sharp is how they're described. Spats. Ugh boy, oh boy, did I want spats after reading this. And Lakotsi always ha- also has this secondary plot line of you don't see it, but you know that she's met someone via Tinder while she's in New York. And she's, she's a lesbian. she's gotten really close with that woman, and now she has to let that relationship go because she has to return to her life in The Solo. The Solo. And like, it's never talked about how The Solo is dealing with sexuality, but there's this undercurrent of this idea that Lakotsi Lakotsi can only be her true and most authentic self in NYC. No, I don't think that's true because we meet the doctor doctor. who is obviously in a relationship with Lakotsi. No. Yes. They're not obviously in a relationship. They had a former flame. And... Former flame. Former flame, but they still had a relationship. And I think the book points out that the solo is pretty progressive in its opinions about sexuality. And her employer, the prince, is super aware of it. And it's kind of known that Lakotsi is a bit of a of a playgirl. I don't think this book has a difficult relationship with the solo and lesbianism. I, I think, think it book, has a difficult relationship with lesbianism. I think the I fact think that perhaps Lakotsi is a token character. Yes. And that's what's difficult about it. That's what feels like uninvestigated. Very early on in the book, it points out that she is a lesbian. Yes. And I remember thinking when I read that, like, why can't she be a straight woman in a very productive platonic relationship with this straight man who happens to wear spats? Yeah. I was this, I was like, I, I don't know. It's because she feels shoehorned. Like her sexuality is 100% a like current afterthought in the same way that this book talks about Insta photo. And like making her sexuality so transparent. Mm, and even shark-like in moments. I feel like, well, it's also like, why does her sexuality matter in this book? Yep. It doesn't. It doesn't. It really, she could have been in a relationship with a man. She could have been in a relationship with a woman. We could have. Dude, 
Dude, she could have been in a relationship with a tree. We could have had this relationship does not matter. I mean, her like it it encourages her perspective on the Beso's choices. Oh, because she becomes that's a really generous read. She becomes more and more invested in the well-being of his partner. I think she would have been invested in the well-being of his partner no matter what. Yeah, but I think like regardless, that's the problem. Yeah, regardless, regardless, it's no full stop. That's the problem. Like her, but maybe she's setting it up for another book in this series. It, that's a possibility. I'll go ahead and grant you that. But like Lakatsi's sexuality feels regardless to her personhood. And like inside of romance, like your sexuality is not regardless to your personhood. And like, so to throw... Well, I don't think you mean that. I mean it in the sense that like your sexuality matters whether or not it's awakening or closing or opening or whatever. Like sexuality matters because like books of romance are about titillation. And like they can be like Lakatsi could have been titillating. So like the fact that she wasn't like the fact that we didn't delve into what it meant that she was a lesbian but also like a highly productive African woman in this moment and within the Bezos life but also as like a corrective to like the wrong decisions that he was making about lying to the woman that he loved. The fact that her sexuality was such an afterthought. Yeah. A shoehorn. But here's the thing. It's like the book to you and I. Yes. It's an afterthought. Yes. But to the book, it feels like a critical explanation of why she dresses the way she does and why she's in the kind of relationship she is with. Which makes it maybe even worse. Yeah, which makes it worse. That's the real problem with for me is that her sexuality is used as an excuse for the way she dresses. And acts. And acts as opposed to a real part of her personhood. Right. Yes, that is what I'm saying. And like, that made me sad. Like, it was a real missed opportunity. Like, Alyssa Cole is like deeply embedded in the present. She's deeply embedded in the things that are happening. She's deeply embedded in this idea of what colonialism means. But also like, the solo is a place pretty absent of of colonialism. colonialism, Which which is why it feels like Wakanda fan fiction. Totally. A hundred percent. Not that Wakanda is absent of colonialism. There's a super awareness of colonialism. But like, an abject to in the way that it interacted and the solo has that like there's the line where the grandfather fought off colonists with his bare hands so Thabizo could do the least of like fighting them off with his words and like I think I think like Alyssa Cole is aware of that but like the way in which like lesbianism or like a queer narrative is just sort of buckled in feels like that it feels like inorganic the critical nature of her sexuality to who she is is somehow tied to the way she dresses and it's somehow tied to her platonic relationship. And I think that's shitty. I agree. Like, that's the thing. Like, somehow it just didn't feel... It Not was there unlike for- a young woman wearing too much bronzer on The Bachelor. It was there for the wrong reasons. Agreed. That's exactly what it is. Thank you, Morgan, for bringing it home. Hey, Womance listeners, Isabeau here. And if you love Womance and you love what we do, would you do me a huge favor and click subscribe on your favorite podcasting app? And if you have just that extra second, would you go ahead and give us a rating as well? Ratings and subscriptions help keep this podcast going, lets other people know where we are, lets other people in on the delicious secret that is Womance and romance in general. And more than that, don't keep us a secret. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell her about the juicy bits, but, you know, let her discover the details. Because romance and womance is all about discovery. 
Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you. And like, you know, Alyssa Cole, this was a solidly A minus romance for me. I, I think it's an A. I think it, it in spite of its problems, because let's be honest, most romances include the genre is known for shit like rape that is sexualized. It's known for whitewashing. It's known for a lot of stuff. This book corrects most problems and is also structurally perfect. I encourage anyone who wants to know how to write to read A Princess in Theory because you've got your clear three acts. It hits all of its beats. It hits all of its beats right on time. You never get bored. It's genuinely funny. It is genuinely funny. There are missteps though. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. But but it's an A. It's an A minus. And this is why it's an A minus. It's an A. Morgan can have it an A and I can have an A minus. You guys can split the difference, whatever you think that is. And here's here's why it's a definitive A minus for old Isabeau. It's the fucking cover. <laughs> yes. It is a bright fuchsia pink that is covered. The background is a bright fuchsia, fuchsia pink. pink. It's also stairs, which is very reminiscent of Cinderella. And mm-hmm. our heroine, who is, you know. She's holding a full on Princess Diana crown. A Princess Diana crown. It's important that our listeners know it's a Princess Diana crown. The things in which colonization and westernization of what royalty looks like What's on a- this cover. <laughs> like, this is, but like, westernization or globalization? Westernization. No, but like, she's wearing like a a print and a fabric associated with Africa. She's holding a Princess Diana crown. But like, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just wondering. That looks like Buckingham. The background does look very European. I'm just wondering. Buckingham. Westernization is a thing and it's a problem. Globalization is a thing and can be a problem. Not always. But not always. Sometimes it's just a part of how things work. Here's the thing. An exchange. This could be William and Kate. Maybe it's an exchange. I don't think is an exchange is the problem. Is that crown really? It's like Victoria's crown. Here's the thing. Maybe if Princess Diana had a Thesolo looking crown, Mm. that would be an exchange. Maybe that's the issue. That would be really, that's the issue. Like there's no exchange, right? It's like 100% a transaction. We're just trying to figure this stuff out. It's messy. It is messy. It's hard to be in 2018 and to be... Romance is not a woke genre, but it wants to be. And like, that's what's beautiful and reaching about it. It's always also, been reaching. It's straining towards something. Right. And it like, since these people are producing four books a year or more, like it is really reaching. And I think straining is like the not nice way of saying reaching. But like, you know, like it's like not quite there. And it like it fights too hard. Like that's straining yeah. versus reaching, which is like, I want to be this thing and I'm not it yet. I think it's straining. Oof. You still, I think when you okay. strain, okay. you still want to be this thing, but totally. you're not it but it's yet. Like, it's like, ooh, you can't come to my party because you want it too much. I don't, I think straining implies effort, not to be all worker. I'm not going to bootstrap this shit. Here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and say that this book is a reach, not a strain. Because it doesn't feel... I don't think strain is negative, though. Mm. 
I think strain implies effort beyond one's initial belief in oneself. A strain is going beyond what you are capable of. Here's a, a strain is a work against something. If you're reaching, you like think, I have this goal, right? I'm reaching towards it. If Here's you're straining, you're just pulling the whole fucking apparatus forward. A strain is better than a reach. A strain can lay you up for weeks. Yeah, you don't that's move how it, it all. works. That's no, what happens. Where you don't move at all. I don't think that's true about a strain. Mm. Who the fuck is bedridden after they strain their ankle? I don't know. I've read a lot of romance novels where when you strain an ankle, you're like bedridden. That's the problem. <laughs> a strain does not mean you're bedridden. I think it does in historical romance. <laughs> in any here's the thing here's here's the thing that i really do want to say about romance strain is an exertion and it takes work here's the thing i'm not gonna say that effort justification is a thing here's the thing that i want to say about romance in terms of race and queerness specifically wow you're gonna make a pretty big statement i am you don't want to limit it to this specific book i want to talk about this book in particular as like a micro in terms of a macro where it's like sometimes your reach exceeds your grasp right and i'm not here to slap or clap either you're so proud of that i am thanks hillary string I'm not here to slap or clap Alyssa Cole because I think she does a really good job. You're right. She's structurally sound. She's doing a lot of great things. But I think in this moment, especially when it comes to Lakatsi and queer romance, her reach exceeds her grasp in a way that feels really disjointed from the rest of the novel, which feels effortless. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, I feel the strain of Lakatsi's sexuality in a way that I don't feel Thabizo's lying about being Jamal. I don't feel his, I don't feel the strain of the novel in other ways, but I feel it particularly in terms of Lakatsi's sexuality. I think Lakatsi's sexuality, I think you're fair in saying it's a reach that doesn't end in a grasp. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I'm going to stand by the fact that this book does reveal its effort. It is not effortless. Mm-hmm. That does not diminish from the pleasure of reading it. It is supremely and pleasurable. I'm going to say a strain is a critical, more critical than a reach. I think if we say a reach is all we need is a very white feminist attitude towards progression. Because pain, especially for white feminists, is part of progress. Because we benefit a great deal from white patriarchy. Totally. 100% agreed. And we need to strain. We need to injure ourselves. We need to pull the whole apparatus forward at our own expense in order for it to be worthwhile or meaningful. Yes. I don't feel like this is a strain in terms of queer. No, it's not. It's not a strain in terms of queer. But I'm just saying strain is better than a reach. Well, we didn't get a grasp. Strain is better than a reach, not a grasp. Mm. Strain is better than a reach. See, so (laughs) pointed. so friend yes a strain is better than a reach a reach is comfortable a reach assumes a grasp I don't know what I'm straining towards I know I'm just going forward I think a strain is a journey I'm saying something generally broadly about romance despite the apparatus that constrains it I feel that romance writers have been straining against that apparatus I think what's interesting about the strain or reach of romance they're not interchangeable I don't know that I feel that way yet is that 
prepare to receive 500 words for me <laughs> on the difference between a reach and a strain. I think I think the thing about romance is that it is responsive, that it is constantly mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. conversation with its audience, which makes it distinctly different. Whereas like I understand what's happening and I'm responding to under the constraints that I have made in the conceit of a historical romance, of a paranormal romance, of whatever the constraints of my 302 pages is. And like that's what's special about romance as a genre where it's like I construct a structure and I work through one question. And the question is either like knowability or intimacy or race or queerness. And it's it's never particularly nuanced about that question, but it is really, really working on it. And I think that's what's special about this genre. I think it's why this genre feels expansive in the same way that fan fiction feels expansive. Because like it's response. It says, I hear you, reader. And, and I think in spite of the fact that Harlequin had literally written rules about their romances. Indeed it did. And I think that For many despite years. the fact that there are rules about how long this should be, I think mm-hmm. the fact that romance does not hold its apparatus, does not hold its structure to be sacred. We talked about this the other day. Mm-hmm. That is why it is so affecting. That is why it is able to survive and be 60% of publishing because it's, it's willing to adapt. Not only is it willing, but it like constantly Eager. Yeah. Eager. Like a penis. <laughs> Romance gets so hard for progress. Romance is why capitalism works, right? Because. Oh, now you're making me sad. No, because women have the ability to vote with our dollars and we buy books that are digital or uh, we buy books that are inclusive. Women are, I mean, whenever people say like capitalism is voting with your dollars and they mean it's like NFL subscriptions, even though the NFL supports its domestic abusers. Yeah. Like romance doesn't do that. I don't know enough about the subject. <laughs> Here's the thing about romance, listeners. I have been, I have not, I have experienced problematic romances by today's standards. Yes. As a neophyte, there's something interesting, specific, and beautiful about discovering not only romance's history, but its trajectory. And what's beautiful about romance is that its trajectory constantly feels accessible. Like we are in a moment where we can tell our romance authors on Twitter and on Instagram, on Instaphoto, <laughs> and on Tumblr, hey, Lacasse's story didn't feel full. Can yeah. you do something in the next book, please? Does that matter as much as the fact everyone is buying this book? Let's buy in this. In spite of Lacazzi's problems. Do I want to say something really big here? Here's so reading Wait. the romance, I want to talk. Okay. The floor is yours. Reading the Romance, which is a really great work of theory that you should read if you're a fan of romance. Obviously. Points out that women who read romance constantly say they do not appreciate non-consensual sex within their texts. Yes. That book, when it was published, though, non-consensual sex was a really popular genre. People kept buying it. It takes a long time. I, I mean... It doesn't Once take again, a long I want to say I don't want to I don't want to I'm not treading on anyone's toes who have rape fantasies. That's normal. We're not yucking your yums. We're not yucking your yums. I wonder if the brothers of my brother, my brother and me knew that their phrase would be applied to it's the so complexity good. of widely pervasive rape fantasies. But also non-consensual sex is like a very common rape fantasy. Like whatever. Here's the thing though. It's a it's a popular part of the genre. In fact, it was a requirement of Harlequin romance 
is that your heroine be hesitant about her first sexual encounter. And it takes a really long time to make something like that change. Except it didn't take a long time. It only took about 12 years. 12 years is a long time. 12 year olds start touching each other's butts. They go from a baby to like horny in 12 years. That's a that's a long time. It's like an adolescence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like romance genre paradigms have a much shorter life than other paradigms. And I think that's what's beautiful about the genre being responsive. And I agree that like 12 years is a long time, but like I think the rote of that movement is shorter every iteration. And I will say the internet has sped up that process yes. because when reading the romance was published, your main means of discovering new books you wanted to read was other women word of mouth or the back of the book, right. which would not mention to you right. what was happening, what the nature of consent was right. in the book. Like the nature of consent is slippery in romance for a lot of reasons, not only because of the pleasure principle, but because of this thing that you're talking about, about like the way in which romances are written. And here's the thing that I want to say about romance and responsivity. Romance is constantly, (laughs) fuck you. Romance is constantly working. Romance is constantly working, I think is true. And I think it's working in ways that like other parts of the literature industry don't feel compelled to work in. Mm. So like this novel maybe has a ham-fisted attempt at a queer narrative, a queer sub-narrative. And like it feels ham-fisted. It feels like all of the things that we don't like about it where it feels like whatever. But it understands it has to have it. Yeah. And I think that's not a bad understanding. That's the way in which progress is like elucidated. Yeah. And like, that's cool, whatever. It could have been better. I wanted it to be better because I think Alyssa Cole has the talent to make it better. She's just, she's good at her craft. She's good at her craft. And like, so I was disappointed that it wasn't better. Mm. And I think romance as a genre is working on that. Mm. A responsivity to our moment constantly. Yeah. And I think that's really great. That's really beautiful. That's really important about this genre in particular that other genres don't have to respond to. I think that's true. Which makes romance special. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Which is why we read it. It's why we interrogate it. And why it's fun to read. It's why it's fun to read. It's why it's fun to talk about. Like Morgan's an incredibly educated human being who wrote her thesis on fucking fan fiction for fucking sake. Fuckity fuck fuck For fuckity fuck fuck fuck. You know what fan fiction I had a seven year relationship with? No. A Downton Abbey fanfic. Let's, should we read that for our next episode? Uh, do you want to read it? I do. I recently watched Dr. Thorne and I've been watching High Maintenance and so I'm very into Dan Stevens. Okay. Dan Stevens is in Downton Abbey until the third season. My nose is itchy. That's cool. A little ASMR nose itching. Mm. Yum. Listeners, we love you. Please subscribe. Please tell us what you think. A Princess in Theory was a romance. A minus or A. It doesn't matter. We think you should read it. There were some sexy beds. There were some... Missed opportunities. (laughs) You might see yourself. You might not. We love you. And we want you to be expansive in the love that you share. Mwah! Mwah. Hey, Womance listeners. Do you like us? I mean, like, do you not like us also? Are we a Womance or a Nomance? Tell us. Either way, the best way to tell us if we're a romance or a nomance is the same means, which is to rate us five stars on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. 
please subscribe. Either way, we want to know what you're thinking. We are as responsive as the genre itself. <laughs> if you leave a bad comment, we might contact you personally at your home address. Tell us what you think. <laughs> We're real curious. I want to know, please subscribe and rate us five stars. That's the best way for other people to discover us. You drunkenly telling them at the bar is super great as well, but it's a lot more effective if you subscribe and rate us five stars. We are 100% Quinn curious. (laughs) Five star curious. Five stars. How many stars? One, two, three, four, five.